Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The U.S. Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash career slash USBP. Brand new for the 2022 season, it's the RVK. We're coming at you two ways on two days. It's Monday and Thursday. Jeremy, J.N. Fiend Phoenix, and me, Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We are the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. You get pop culture Monday at 7 a.m. You get the West Virginia University podcast Thursdays at 7 a.m. Either way, no matter what we say, you're going to have fun. So, like we like to tell you, get at your boys. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Metz. Today, we are previewing the Kansas Jayhawks coming up against the Houston Cougars this Saturday. Absolutely a fantastic matchup here. Um, a lot more, I think, um, even of a matchup than we thought coming into the season. But to help me get updated on what's happening with Houston so far this year, and then talk a little bit about this matchup. It is coming back to the podcast again. Sam and Dustin of the Scott and Holman podcast here on the 1012 Podcast Network on the Sports Drink Network. How are you guys doing today? Hey, doing good, Andy. Happy to be talking to you. Yeah, a little bit closer than I think we'd uh, probably hoped uh, in the preseason, but uh, nonetheless, a very exciting game we have to talk about tonight. Yeah, I will say I was extremely shocked um, to see things happen the way, like, we were actually talking over on your podcast, like, this is, uh, I think, a lot closer than I thought it was going to be, even, like, being the super optimistic Kansas fan that I am, um, you know, and, and I think part of that is that maybe Houston has struggled with the stretch that we agreed was the most difficult stretch that they had of the season, um, but I think also it's more a lot more about the fact that this Kansas Jayhawk team has looked a lot better. You know, I thought that they would win the first two games potentially, but they would be ugly rock fights, at least that second one against West Virginia. And instead, this Kansas offense has looked super, super impressive. So um, 
obviously things have looked different for Kansas. How have the have the Houston Cougars looked different from what our expectations were coming into the year? Because I remember that there you know was some pretty high expectations, but there were a few questions. Um, have we gotten any kind of answers to what those questions are yet at this point? You know, I, I think the the question about the the biggest how it's looked different than what we expected coming into the years. I just think the off. I think we thought the offense was going to look a little more lively, a little more exciting, a little more big play breaking uh, type of situation. And, uh, you know, especially in the first halves of the first two games, that just hasn't been the case. Both uh, both the UTSA and the Texas Tech games, this this team came out just pretty pretty flat offensively in the in the first half. Uh, I think ten combined points in the uh, the two first halves, and unfortunately, uh, would have been a lot more points than that. But uh, the Cougs have had a, a punt return for a touchdown taken off the board by a penalty in both of the first halves of the first two games this season, which has been kind of hard to stomach, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, in just terms of answers to questions about this team, you know, I think we knew this. Uh, this defensive line was going to be really good. That has certainly proven to be the case. I think we knew the secondary was, was talented, but after losing a couple of, you know, NFL cornerbacks was going to maybe take some growing pains early on. I think that was the case. Um, but all in all, I think this looks like a pretty solid defensive team. And, you know, I think the questions that remain, uh, moving forward is, you know, is this offense going to start to look a little bit more like the offense you would expect when you've got an offensive minded head coach and a fifth year senior quarterback in uh, Clayton Toon? Yeah, I mean, talking about the offense, it was my impression coming into the year that while Clayton Toon being a fifth-year player was kind of going to be leading and that you probably would lean a little bit pass-heavy, that there was still a really good rushing attack and that you were expected to be a lot more balanced. It seems like this is not a team that has been as productive on the rushing game as I think a lot of people were expecting coming into the year. Is, is, is that really how it's kind of been so far, or is there something that I'm not accounting for? No, I think that's how it's been, but there's the big giant caveat there that uh, Alton McCaskill, who I would say was one of the best freshman offensive players in the country last year, tore his ACL during spring ball, and that immediately gave you one fewer really proven option there. I, I have been in flashes, very excited what we've seen from Brandon Campbell, who plays true freshman season at USC, transferred to the Cougars uh, to play closer to home. I, I like what we've seen, but apparently he's questionable uh, for the game against Kansas. And I think it's just been keeping guys healthy because the leading returning rusher after McCaskill was pretty much ruled out for the season was Tejon Henry, who uh, really has not looked healthy, has not played a whole lot, uh, had a screen go for decent yardage in the first half against Texas Tech, but promptly fumbled the ball in a situation where you probably don't want a 50-year senior to fumble the ball, gave the ball right back to Tech and kind of threw away whatever offensive momentum you had. And then he didn't play much in the rest of that game and sounded like he was questionable for this game as well. So I guess the answer to that question is finding someone healthy because the uh, top three guys that we expected to be playing the position are either, you know, McCaskill's case confirmed out for the season. And in the case of Campbell and Henry, I think at the very least dealing with some kind of injury problem once the week happens. But I would still say even with that, like the staff really likes Stacey Sneed. He got mentioned a lot in the preseason. He's played a decent amount in both the Cougars first two games. And I think long term is a uh, is a redshirt. I should say a COVID redshirt freshman because he had the 2020 season and last year is kind of non-counting seasons against the eligibility club. I think the staff likes him, but if he's your most experienced healthy back uh, come Saturday against Kansas, uh, that's not much. That's very thin. That basically has you down to two scholarship backs. And, and Dan Holgerson has been very consistent. He wants to be balanced, even though you know, some of us who are at least in our thirties saw a Cougar offense run by Dana Holgerson. That was very much not balanced, very air rated, very uh, score points and score as fast as possible. That's not his philosophy now. And I think, even even if it was a situation on Saturday where you don't have Henry or Campbell healthy and Snead's basically your only guy you expect to play a fair amount playing, I still think you're going to see the staff 
try to do stuff in the run game. You're still going to see Clayton Toon both improvising and by design making things happen with his feet. So I don't think we'll ever see this offense really get imbalanced. I don't think Saturday is the exception, but I think having healthy backs right now is the greatest thing limiting the Cougars behind. I think what's been pretty shaky run blocking up front as well so far, but it's almost like how do you evaluate that if none of the guys, you know, running behind the line are healthy, it's kind of, you know, a chicken and egg situation there. So I think that's been the biggest culprit for the Cougar offense so far through two weeks. Yeah, I was to say, you kind of jumped to the next follow-up question. Um, how much of this has been offensive line play and how much of it has actually been skill position play? Yeah, no, I think that it's it's hard to completely disentangle the two, I would think. I think that neither, you know, your offensive line nor your skill position players have played up to the level that I think we were hoping that we were going to see uh, for this. And I think that, you know, the offensive line, it's been kind of this weird situation where we've got a bunch of guys with experience but no seniors on the roster uh, at offensive line anywhere. Um, so it's a lot of guys that have had played, but still not, you know, a senior heavy, uh, a group or, you know, any seniors at all. Um, that unit, I think, has been a little bit disappointing. Dan Holgerson was, was pretty frank about criticizing them after the, the UTSA game, saying they blocked really poorly for the first three quarters. <laughs> and then, then he yelled at them and then they blocked better down the stretch. And, and same against Texas Tech. I think with the run blocking was a little bit better. It looked a little bit better against Tech, but wasn't still, you know, just doing a, a ton. And, and the protection of Clayton, too, I thought maybe a little bit better, but still. You know, let, letting some pressure on him. So, yeah, I think maybe it would maybe give him a B minus B grade or something like that for the Texas Tech game, where it's probably would have been would have been worse for the UTSA game. Um, but then, you know, we've seen we've seen some some issues with the skill groups as well. We've seen Clayton Toon, you know, miss a couple of throws in uh, in the Tech game. We've seen this receiver group as much as you know, we've seen some some highlight reel catches already from some of the young guys in this receiver group. We've seen some drops as well. Um, and then the running back group, like Sam, kind of like Sam said, it's been hard to really give them a fair grade because. Uh, you know, Brandon Campbell and Tazon Henry, the two guys that you would have expected to uh, be your primary ball carriers have both been, you know, injured and, and not really gotten two full games in. So, you know, I think there's probably plenty of, uh, of, of blame to go around for the slow offensive starts in terms of guys at different positions as well as uh, the injury bug. Yeah, I mean, it's so, so I, 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 I guess that kind of gets to the next question, right? That I have is how much of this do you expect to carry over into the next few weeks? Because, uh, you know, there's definitely something to be said about momentum for, for a lot of teams and kind of, you know, while teams can change over the course of the season, it's not very likely that, uh, that you're going to go ahead and like change from one game to the next unless there's a huge difference in, you know, game plan or like just a matchup that you can exploit that, that you weren't able to in other games. Um, looking at like, what is the expectation for how these things are either going to get fixed? Is it just guys are going to have to come back or start, you know, or a specific guy is supposed to be playing better or like, what is the outlook for trying to fix these issues moving forward? One thing I've caveated a lot of my criticism of the offense with, and I would agree with everything Dustin said, it's critical and has not been up to what we expect in the preseason these first two games. There's not, and I'm not going to make UTSA and Texas Tech into being, you know, two of the best college football teams ever to play, but there aren't a lot of teams in FBS that opened their season just with two road games, period, and two road games against varying degree of, you know, decent to good opponent. A G5, likely conference repeat champion, and a team in Texas Tech who I think's floor is still around six games and still, I think, be a tough team to play in Lubbock. So I think that does put the Cougars' flaws in a bit sharper relief. You do... You're seeing you're seeing what this team is going to struggle with a bit more than if, say, you know, U of H had opened with Rice and an FCS team. You know, I think right now, if we were talking about those two games going to Kansas, you're probably getting Dustin and I. One, we're probably acknowledging that hey, we ha- we don't know a whole lot about this team just yet, but 
we're probably not talking about, oh, hey, this offensive line has struggled. Oh, hey, we're not sure whether the run game is going to be able to take a, the next step this year. You immediately went out the gate on the road by virtue, you know, a little bit more difficult than average and against two opponents who aren't pushovers. You immediately saw this team face a pretty game opponent out of the gate. So I will say, though, it really has to happen this week in terms of not even so much just like, oh, we have to win the game. (laughs) Believe me, I think you'll see plenty of people in red and white have a cow if this game is a Cougar loss. But this game for me, I really just, I have to start seeing something offensively. This is a, if we come back on Sunday or Monday and we're talking about third straight game where U of H struggled to do anything. And now this time it's at home. And with respect to Kansas, who is, I I don't think is getting enough respect uh, for the Vegas line, the preseason or in the pregame of this week. If you're not able to do something this week at home against a defense that did, you know, at times struggle last week against West Virginia, I, I think it goes from, okay, well, we played two decent opponents. So we played two decent opponents away from home to there's something really fundamentally wrong with this offense. And I think it's just for us to just seeing things like Clayton Tune getting a clean pocket. And I think also offensive design as well. I think we've talked a lot about poor execution, looking at specific uh, groups and how they haven't done as well as we expected, but I don't think the offense has made Clayton Toon's life easier. I don't think they've given Clayton Toon the kinds of rhythm throws. And I, I'm not going to be as unreserved in my praise of Texas Tech's offense as I was in our recap show, you know, certainly examining their three interceptions against us in the cold light of day. But at times they really did do a good job giving Donovan Smith rhythm throws, giving him a chance to kind of get his confidence up. And it just feels like anytime the offense asks Clayton Toon to do something in the passing game, it feels very difficult. It feels very complex. Like, they're not just trying to make it either. They're trying to do this like slow developing pass play that tries to get, you know, three different guys open in three different ways. And he's just not able to make the decision quickly enough. I, I think, I think we just, I, mean, I think we expect a bit more improvement, expect it to be a bit more clean, you know, playing at home. I think just the majority of teams out there are going to play a bit better, you know, in a home week. But I don't know. I, I, I certainly, I certainly wouldn't take it to the bank. I certainly don't feel wildly confident that. I'm going to come to Houston on Saturday and see us play a clean offensive game again or yeah, I, for the first time this year. I think it's one of those things where, and, and unfortunately being a Kansas fan, I'm well familiar with, right? There's there's a big difference between your offense not performing because an offensive line just gets completely you know overrun um, and an offense not performing because you've made it too complicated for anyone and to possibly block for as long as you need them to. Um, it, it sounds like, and from what I have seen, it definitely feels like there are times where Tune is holding onto the ball and it's not even necessarily him just holding onto the ball because he can't make a decision. It's him holding onto a ball, waiting for something to develop. And it doesn't feel kind of like what you were saying. It doesn't feel just watching it. Um, like it is a, he can't, he's, he's being indecisive. It's a, the play hasn't gotten to the point yet where he's supposed to make that decision, which is, is not a very good design for how a play is supposed to set up, especially as defenses are getting better and better at getting the quarterback a lot quicker. Um, you almost have to have to simplify it nowadays to actually be able to like the most effective offenses are ones that are not super complicated in individual plays that you have a very clear idea of what you want to do and you give yourself options inside of a play, but they all need to be quick options. And I think that's that's where a lot of a lot of offensive coordinators potentially go wrong is that they try to make it so complicated so they can fool the defense and they end up making it take too long. And it sounds like the way you're describing it, that that's kind of what's happening here. Um I will say kind of 
to help you guys out. The Kansas defense is very much a bend but don't break defense um, in that they they do try to get pressure pretty quick, but they're a lot more about like keeping guys in front of you and trying to make plays that way. But they have shown the ability to um, have some pretty big gaffes at times. Um, now, they don't necessarily make those throughout, throughout the entire game. Um, but I, I do think the one thing that will be interesting here to kind of see what Houston is able to do is are they able to get started quickly? Because this Kansas team, especially the defense, gets better as the game goes on and really works to try to wear people down. We saw that against West Virginia where the Kansas defensive line, because they have 10 different bodies that they can rotate in and out, really wore down West Virginia so that they were very, um, you know, very uh, tired by the end of the game. Like you got to the fourth quarter and you could just tell that they were running out of gas. How how good is Houston's depth, or how much have they been able to hold up against, um, you know, opponents who who are able to actually put a lot of guys on that defensive line? I'm not really familiar with Texas Tech's depth a lot, but was it an issue where they were kind of wearing down over the course of the game, or was it more just that there was some bad pockets of play? No, yeah, I, w- I would maybe go towards the latter. I feel like Houston, both of their first two games, I mean. The, both of the first two games went to overtime, and uh, both of the first two games, Houston was pretty lousy in the first half. So I think that kind of that kind of gives you the the answer that Houston is. I, I think in both of those games looked stronger as a team, looked stronger in the trenches uh, as the game has gone on. And and obviously that's not to say that everything was uh, was great in both of those games. Houston gave up a a game tying drive uh, with less than a minute to go after they kicked that ball back. You know, you have a lead, you kick the ball back with less than a minute to go. You think you're supposed to, uh, to win, but both of those games went to overtime. So, you know, definitely some things to criticize towards the end of, uh, of the game. And, you know, and Houston is the strength of their defense being what it is, which is, you know, kind of similar to Kansas running like 10 guys out there on the defensive line, just uh, for the second straight year, just getting a ton of pressure on the opposing uh, quarterback when they get to these late game situations. And all of a sudden the, uh, the inclination is to play a little bit more of a uh, prevent type defense. I think that's where they've gotten burned. They they had fourth and 20 on Texas tech in overtime. You know, you get off the field there, you win the game, you give up 21 yard completion. All of a sudden you look up and uh, and you lost the game. So, you know, I think Doug Belk, uh, the defensive coordinator has some, you know, maybe reconsidering of how to uh, to scheme some late game situations defensively, um, but you know, like I said, uh, all in all, I think you have to be relatively happy with the way that Houston has uh, has finished games. It's just like I said, it's it's the uh, the beginning of the games that Houston needs to get noticeably better at if they're gonna honestly if they're gonna win the game uh, on Saturday. No, and that is and that is perfectly fair. It is great to be a second half team, you know, a team that gets stronger the longer that you go on. I know that Kansas has done that this year. It sounds like Houston has done that so far this year. But you know, the other thing that is a that is something that gets better the longer that you have it is sponsor here on the home uh, on the a podcast, a home field apparel. Home field apparel is the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They have t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies. Both of my guests here are wearing home field apparel stuff. I would be wearing home field apparel stuff, but I unfortunately did not bring mine with me on this business trip because it is a business trip. So I do though have a Houston shirt. I have one of the Shasta tees. I got it back when they did the refresh. I absolutely love all the the home field of stuff that they have. I have way too many schools from so many different places that I never have no affiliation with, but the logos are just absolutely insanely fantastic. So um, if you head on over to homefieldapparel.com, use promo code CHOCK12, you can get 15% off your entire first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping. So head on over there, find something really great, load up the cart, save a whole bunch of money. You can even take advantage of the core collection if you're in a situation where you can't be wearing one of the fantastic logos. I have a hard time imagining you know, how often that actually happens, but you still want the awesome comfort of Homefield Apparel. 
get some of the core collection. It doesn't have all the logos on it, but it's still the same great t-shirts. Again, homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHOCK12 gets you 15% off that entire first order. All right, guys, I do want to go ahead. Uh, we will jump over to the other side of the ball and then talk about this game. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all, and you are listening live to the one, the only, Tortillas and Takes podcast. From football to softball to track and field, tune in to get the best coverage in everything that is Texas Tech. Not only that, but find out what unsuspecting star we get to interview and put on the hot seat. Whether you like corn or flour, eating them or throwing them, this tortilla is for you. So listen to Tortillas and Takes. And as always, stay wrecked, people. And we're back. I am here with Sam and Dustin of the Scott and Holman podcast here on the 1012 Podcast Network. We are previewing the Houston-Kansas game coming up this weekend. Um, flipping over to the other side of the ball, because we just got done about talking about Houston on offense. Um, you know, going the other direction, obviously Kansas and Jalen Daniels are getting a lot of hype from around the nation. Um, this is looking like it's going to be a much more of a test for this Houston defense than you guys are probably planning on coming into the year. Um, what is the thing about the Kansas offense you've seen that worries you the most at this point? I would say it would be Daniels' mobility, Daniels' ability to make stuff happen with his feet. I think actually the first two games, the Cougar run defense, when it hasn't been a quarterback running situation, has done quite well. Neither UTSA or Texas Tech were really able to do much consistently with their backs and getting them involved in the offense. You saw really both teams by late third, early fourth quarter go pretty pass heavy other than you know, Frank Harris and Donovan Smith respectively making stuff happen with their feet. The problem is that Donovan Smith did make stuff happen at very critical junctures this game with his feet. I knew U of H was in trouble on that last tech regulation possession when Donovan Smith got 27 yards with his feet. And it didn't seem like there were any Cougars within many, many yards of him on that play. It basically seems like Donovan Smith took a step back, had only three guys rushing, had some time to think and saw the 30 yards of green grass in front of him and I guess green turf in Lubbock and took off and easily got over half of what tech needed yardage wise to uh, get a field goal and send the game to overtime. And I, I would certainly say Daniels is a, a better runner than uh, Smith. I, I would, and this is a high praise because I think Frank Harris is probably the best. Uh, I would say best of the, no, I'll go this way. One of the very best group of five quarterbacks in the country, and a very mobile guy. I think, I think Daniels is a decent cop, and I mean that to be very complimentary to both gentlemen, uh, even though Harris, I think, is a two or three years older at this point. And the Cougs really struggle with that. The Cougs got a ton of pressure in week one against UTSA, but Harris was able to escape and make a lot of things happen at different points that came with his feet. And kind of seeing that game and you know looking at what Jalen Daniels has done through two weeks for the Jayhawks, I think, is a scary thing for me. I think this is a good run defense. This is a very, very good defensive front especially when it comes to rushing the passer but we've seen at times the open field tackling hasn't looked as crisp as it did uh in the second half of last year and i just Jalen daniels in the open field uh making stuff happen to his feet worries me it's not the only thing that worries me about the kansas offense but if you're talking about the thing that worries me the most that's it right there yeah i mean i definitely think that that's fair i mean i think that's been the biggest asset for Jalen daniels this year um, is that he has definitely improved that portion of his game where he's, you know, making those decisions and deciding whether to run or not. I mean, he is the third leading rusher, um, for the Jayhawks, you know, in a room that has, you know, five guys essentially, including him, that have had significant number of rushes so far this year. Of course, the problem with that is that, you know, I mean, Kansas has rushed the ball 66 times this year and you have
have four guys that have, or I'm sorry, five guys that have had nine or more of those rushes. So like they spread it out a lot. There's a lot of different guys that are involved here. Um, but like Devin Neal has 150 yards as the rusher over the course of two games. Um, you know, his longest play, well, he had an 80 yard touchdown run in the, in the first week. So he was not very effective, I think, against West Virginia because West Virginia consciously made a decision to kind of take him out of the game. But that opened up the door for a guy like Jalen Daniels to make those runs. Um, I do think that that's a problem that Kansas like presents is that they have so many different options running. And then when the quarterback also runs, um, it can make it a nightmare to try to figure out exactly who it is you need to be stopping from running. Um, especially when, you know, you have plays that are set up to have a run pass option and ability to kind of turn it into whatever Daniels wants to turn that particular play into. Um, so, so looking though at this, at this team, I mean, how were, or how, how well has Houston been able to handle multiple styles of runners? Because, you know, th- there are definitely teams that are really good at, you know, playing run defense in the trenches. There are some that are really good at playing run defense out on the outside. Um, have, have they really been able to um, perform well against both styles of running? Because Kansas has the ability, you know, in Daniel Highshaw to, to run a lot w- within the tackles, and Devin Neal is much more of the, the cut guy that can go inside, outside, all of that stuff. So um, Kansas, I think, has like three distinct different running styles from the running backs that they have as well. So how, how, how well has this Houston defense been able to handle the different running styles that you might see? Yeah, kind of like Sam said, I've, I've been really impressed with the way that Houston has defended you know, the running back game so far, whether that's, you know, running in the middle or, or getting to the outside. I think, you know, my, my biggest concern in terms of Houston's run defense is, is kind of like Sam alluded to. It's just that the tackling hasn't always been there. So, you know, it might be, you know, stuff a play for one yard, stuff a play for zero yards, you know, guy, got a couple guys missed tackles, you know, 15 yard run type of thing. And even that could be the run game that could be, you know, Jalen Daniels as well, you know, so I, I think that's the biggest concern for Houston is just, is just that consistency in the run game and not and not giving up the big plays with uh, with some missed tackles because immensely talented you know uh, defensive line like we've talked about Donovan Mutant the linebacker has been here for uh, it just feels like forever at this point just an un- unbelievable rock in uh, in run defense really really impressive player who's gonna hear his name called a lot uh, this Saturday I have no doubt uh, in that run game um, but like I said it's it's just that consistency and, and making sure you're not letting the, the home run hitters. Uh, hit you for the big runs, whether that's, you know, maybe the uh, the speedster running back, whether that's, you know, Daniels. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so looking to the, to the, the, the passing game, cause obviously that's a big part of what Daniels been able to do. And I think the biggest asset for him has been the ability to spread it out between so many different players. Kansas has, I think, probably eight or nine different receivers who could see significant time and could catch a pass in this, in this particular game. Um, how much does that worry you having a receiver room that you're not really sure who the guy they're going to try to go to is? Or like, would you rather be facing a room where there's not a guy that really kind of steps up and is, you know, the main person or the go-to guy? Um, or is it better to have a guy like that on the opposing team that you can try to take away in high leverage situations? You know, I think if U of H had right now, you know, real, go-to quarterback just to say that you know, i think jace rogers in particular has been a pleasant surprise to me i believe after week two he was the 12th highest rated uh cornerback in the country by pro football focus i say maybe he's been that guy so far but it's you know two games i'm not willing to you know call jace rogers a lockdown cornerback just based on that so i don't i don't know because i don't know if there is a you know one cougar defensive back right now where i'm like okay that's who we're putting on you know insert name of team years number one a one guy like the you know tank Dell equivalent to you know use the Houston 
uh, comparison here. I, I don't know if there's that guy yet in the defensive backfield. And I would say that's probably the area I was most concerned about going into the season. I think we actually talked about this uh, in the preseason on your show, just that out of the gates, UTSA and Texas Tech worried me because you know, I figured UTSA with a super senior quarterback and a you know OC who had a reputation from you know his time in the Texas high school game of you know being one of one of the better uh, passing offense guys. It's probably how Jeff Trailer got him on staff there in the first place. An offense that I knew was going to want to throw the ball around a fair amount. And then Texas Tech hiring um, Western Kentucky's OC, who was the uh, number one passing offense a year ago in FBS. I knew those teams were going to want to go pass heavy out of the gate. Wouldn't be as uncomfortable if U of H, you know, in the veteran defensive front was able to take away the run, which doesn't say that Kansas doesn't concern me, but I think it gives some context to the 300 something yards a game that U of H has allowed so far that, you know, one U of H has forced these two opponents to varying degrees to have to go pass first because their run game really just wasn't working the conventional sense. And two, that this was a group replacing, you know, two NFL guys. And there are, I think very few programs, even, among the you know more well-resourced programs than uh, University of Houston, who would have a hard time replacing two top four rounds NFL draft picks, and just even though all the guys that are going to be playing at corner and playing at safety on Saturday are guys who were at the very least, with maybe an exception or two, rotation guys a year ago, everyone just about in the quarterback group is being asked to play a bigger role, and that's kind of the scary thing, you know, against the quarterback and Jay Daniels, who now has some you know, experience under his belt, some confidence certainly from the first two games uh, of the season. So, yeah, I think it's it's a tested group, which I think is good. I think it's good that they've, they've gotten challenged really hard these first uh, two weeks of game action. That you didn't go out there and just think, oh, we, you know, who, who, what secondary problems do we have? We just shut down, you know, whatever, Rice and McNeese State to start the year. That you've gone out there and really seen this group get tested, I think is good, but that still doesn't mean that I feel wildly confident that, you know, going to Saturday, U of H is going to do anything like shut down uh, Kansas's passing attack to this point. Yeah, that that is completely fair. All right, so so before we get to picks for the weekend, um, anything else about this Houston team that you think Kansas Jayhawk fans need to know going into the game? Uh, you know, I think we mentioned the uh, the two punt return touchdowns. I was going to say Tank Dell in the punt return game, just absolutely one of the most thrilling. Uh, players and really in the in the you know we didn't talk a whole lot about him talking about this Cougar offense as well but Tank Dell really one of the premier wide receivers in the country for me uh, immensely talented guy someone who you know really since last year um, it's 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 been pretty well known by the uh, the opponent going into most games that Tank Dell is going to be one of the primary focuses of you know really the primary focus of the Houston offense someone's Clayton Two's favorite target someone Houston wants to go to in high leverage situations. And it doesn't seem to matter that even if the other team knows that the ball's coming to him, he just, uh, I think I saw some, some quote today where he was, he, you know, had media availability. He says, I don't care if all 11 players on the defense are guarding me. I feel like I should be able to get open. And that's just kind of his mentality. Um, and that's, and frankly, it's, it's worked. I mean, even when teams kind of know that the, the Houston's going to tank Dell, um, the, the, he seems to be able to get open and, uh, and get the ball anyway. So they're going to try to find lots of ways to, uh, to get the ball to him, both, uh, in the passing game as well as, like I said, hopefully a third uh, punt return touchdown and one that is not wiped out by a penalty. Uh, week one, we got one wiped out by a just horrendous block in the back call. Week two, we got one wiped out by a Houston player deciding to clock the punter for no apparent reason. So uh, we'll see if uh, I'm dying to, by the end of the year, get an actual Tank Dell punt return touchdown that actually stands. Um, but he is, to me, one of the most electrifying players in uh, college football and someone that I, I think makes uh, very much worth the price of admission. 
going to mention two guys real quick. I think about seven or eight years uh, age difference between them. Uh, the Cougars 20-something uh, redshirt sophomore punter. Lane Wilkins uh, from Australia is absolutely fantastic. He averaged, I think, over 50 yards a punt uh, in Lubbock last week has been quite good, literally – you know, despite never having uh, played organized American football until the 2020 season, uh, following in the footsteps of uh, Ray Guy Award finalist uh, Dane Roy, another fantastic, uh, way older than the average college age. Aussie punter would also mention Matthew Golden, who had uh, the Cougs' lone touchdown in overtime last week uh, against Texas Tech, uh, had a big uh, catch against uh, UTSA. The biggest uh, recruit uh, in, you know, posted Oliver, certainly, obviously, at Oliver, kind of, kind of a curve killer there, but like the kind of recruit that U of H was not getting at least uh, immediately out of high school. And uh, he's had his moments for the first uh, two weeks, but you could tell the staff wants him to be involved more. And I think, I think if Matthew Golden is able to be pretty heavily involved, Matthew Golden has, you know, six or seven receptions. I think that bodes fairly well for the Cougars if they're able to get him involved and get him in open space, because it really, as much as it was technically a touchdown pass, like on Clayton Toon's ledger, that touchdown in overtime against Kansas was nearly all Matthew Golden making tech guys miss in open space. So he's someone, I don't think he's going to be a star player yet. You know, he's still, you know, guy playing his third ever college game, but I think somebody Kansas fans are going to hear the name of fairly often over the next two or three years of us, you know, potentially playing each other annually in conference. I guess, I guess I don't know. We might never see you guys again. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm not really sure. It depends on like yeah, how they exactly. actually set up the, you know, once we get to 12 or 14 or whatever, however many we actually end up having, if we, you know, steal some pack 12 teams and end up at 16, not really sure how often we'll play, but I'm sure we'll get, we'll get to have these kind of previews at least somewhat occasionally. I, I, I hope we don't turn into the SEC and we, you know, we go seven years between. See you in 2030 next yeah, time. Yeah. Gosh. Oh my gosh. And All right. Else, you will talk about him. You will talk about him very regularly, uh, in the next couple of years on the 1012 pod available wherever you get podcasts. Exactly. All right. So let's go ahead and get over to the picks for the weekend rather than just do a normal prediction. Um, our pick segment is actually sponsored by the new sponsor here on the podcast. That is prizepicks.com. Um, they are the easy legal way to play daily fantasy. You pick two to five players, kick an over under on projections for various stats, and you can win up to 10 times whatever your entry fee is. Um, they are available in most of the states, but you have to make sure that you actually are, you know, they're actually there where you have, but you can make your entries in 60 seconds or less. It is really easy to do, and it's a very safe option that offers really fast withdrawals. It is a lot of fun. I've been over there looking at a lot of the numbers. So we are going to go ahead and do that. We're going to take a look at some Houston and some Kansas players and get some picks for things that jump out to you guys. So I want you guys at least to come up with three each. Um, I'm going to run through some of the numbers from some of the projections. Let me know what jumps out to you. So for for passing for Clayton Toon, um, actually they have Clayton Toon at uh, 275.5 yards passing or 11.5 or 11.5 rushing yards and Jalen Daniels at two, 220.5 yards passing and 35.5 rushing yards. Do any of those numbers jump out to either of you guys? Over on Jalen Daniels passing yards. Oh, man, I was going to say over on Jalen Daniels rushing yards. I hope we're not Yeah, I, I would say rushing yards, the over on, but for Houston, sure. But the, Houston, the Houston has had a hard time. I mean, I don't know. You, again, is that, I don't know, does the rushing yards, does that, does that, does the sacks count there? Because I feel like that's, that's the X. That's a good point. Yeah. No, I hadn't thought about that. I, I would also probably say Clayton Toon passing yards. I would be tempted to take the over on that just because Kansas has shown the ability to give up big chunks pretty easily. Um, especially if they get into a situation where they are, um, 
you know, a guy falls down or something, which has happened more often than I want to admit. Um, but yeah, so I think one of those two is probably the one that jumps out to me, either Jalen Daniels rushing or Clayton Toon passing. Uh, what about Brandon Campbell, 60.5 rushing yards or Devin Neal, 52.5 rushing yards? I think I might take the under on Brandon Campbell just because I'm not sure how healthy he is yet. That seems a little bit iffy. And, um, you know, if, if, if you could tell me he's 100% healthy, I, I feel like he can get to 60.5, but, uh, that, that's a big if at this point still. So I think I might, uh, might take the ender on that one just out of uh, not sure how many uh, how many snaps he's going to see. That number in the Kansas running back I think is a good one because I've had to think, like, is are they going to land right there? They might land just over, but I wouldn't say that with uh, a lot of confidence, especially because, you know, Kansas I think does do, – I think rightly, you know, splits their carries a decent amount between the backs and, uh, and Daniels. So I – I yeah, I take the under there, but it's not. You can hear from my voice; it's not. Uh, yeah, a I mean, it's under. it's 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 one of those things. A smart play is probably to take the under. The problem is that Devin Neal is a guy that could rip off a seventy-five yard run at any time. So, like, you could you know get all the way toward the end of the game, and all of a sudden he rips off a huge one that that play alone hits him that over, and then you're you know just like, oh crap, I don't know what to do there. Um, so yeah, that's a really tough one. I probably would actually stay away from that one if it was me, um, just because I don't know which Kansas running back is actually going to go off. It's going to be really hard to pick Kansas running back rushing yards, uh, I think, the rest of the year because they have so many options. All right, and then receivers. We have Tank Dell with 6.5 receptions or 84.5 receiving yards. Luke Grimm with 3.0 receptions and 39.5 receiving yards or Lawrence Arnold with 3.0 receptions and 35.5 receiving yards any of those jump out i think i would take the over on tank dell a number of receptions i think the offense is going to find a way to give him the ball at least eight or nine times i'm not saying eight or nine times and it's going to you know guarantee a u of h win because if if kansas is able to keep guys like matthew golden and joseph manjack and uh, Keyshawn carter involved then you know you get the ball tank dell eight or nine times but no one else is able to make an impact i think i would take the over two on luke grim i think i feel like we're going to see five or six receptions from him uh, on Saturday at minimum. Yeah, I was similar to thinking the over on the tank dollar receptions. It's just hard not to see, especially with, uh, you know, all the running backs injured and, and you know, likely a, a game where Kansas is going to score some points and Houston is going to be trying to uh, to score some points to keep up. Then I expect that uh, tank Dell is going to get 10 or 12 targets. And I think that'll get him uh, enough to uh, cover the six and a half uh, receptions. Yeah. The one that really jumps out to me is the tank. Dell. I would probably take the over on the yards. Kansas, um, especially when there's like a stud wide receiver, like the guy that is, is expected to get the most of the reception. Um, you know, they, they don't do a good job of keeping those yards down, but they do have a good, I guess, track record of keeping too many guys from, from really hurting them. But I would expect a guy like Tank Dell to get a lot of yards, um, even if he doesn't necessarily do it on, you know, as many receptions as we're thinking. So I think the, the safest one to me feels like that one. So, okay. All right. Final prediction. Um, how do you guys see the game going? Oh, man, UH wins by something close-ish to the line, but I don't feel um, – I certainly don't feel wildly confident leaving the game, and I certainly uh, don't have a stress-free experience at uh, the stadium on uh, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I, I, I see both teams maybe in the 30s, hopefully without an overtime this time. I could do without another overtime. Yeah, for sure. And if, uh, if Houston is the team with maybe three or four more points on Saturday, I'll be thrilled. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think this is going to be a close one. I would pick Kansas just on the line because I think it's going to be a three-point game one way or another. I'm not sure who's going to win, but I definitely feel like this one is a lot more possible um, now than any time in the last, you know, you know, six months prior to now. So uh, we will have to go ahead and take a look there. 
I think that's going to go ahead and do it for us today. I think we've hit everything. And, of course, we've got our wonderful predictions there. So, Sam and Dustin, thank you guys so much for joining me. For those that want to get more information about Houston or honestly just listen to all the great coverage you guys have, where can they find your stuff online? Yeah, you can search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We do have a fun uh, pun. It's P-A-W-D. C-A-S-T podcast. So search the Scott Holman podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we just had uh, Andy on talking about this game. So to get the, uh, the full perspective, make sure to check out our preview episode. And, you know, we're coming at multiple times a week with uh, Cougar information. So if you're curious on a, a future Big 12 member in the Houston Cougars, we got all the Cougar talk that you need. And uh, we are also uh, just relentless degenerates on Twitter. So be sure to give us a follow over on that medium uh, at SH podcast. Same pop pun in the podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me. It was absolutely a pleasure to be able to go over all of this. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can get every episode as soon as it comes out by subscribing. Um, if you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. Really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people want me to try to interview, anything like that, Contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network over on Sports Drink. You can find all the great shows, including the Scott and Holman podcast, by going to 1012network.com. Um, but that is going to do it for us today. Make sure you visit our sponsors, Homefield and Prize Picks. Great stuff that they're doing over there. But uh, thank you guys so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.